Mark chapter 14, if you have your Bibles. I mentioned this, of course, in the offering. Art Markman, he's a psychologist. He wrote, he wrote in Psychology Today's. He said, in the past I've made posts and pointed out that psychologists research that younger people tend to regret the actions they take. For instance, I should not have insulted that girl. But while older people tend to regret the actions they did not take, such as I should have learned to play a musical instrument, previous research on regret suggests that one of the most important reasons for this effect is younger people seem to have more opportunities to act in the future, while older people may feel that their roads are closed off to them. Thus, actions weigh more heavily on older people than younger people. A study by Ian Davidson and Aidan Finley in December of 2008 in the issue of Cognizant Psychology suggests another factor that influences regret, that when people find uh, people think about their lives specifically, they tend to regret their actions When people think about their lives in general, they tend to regret the things they did not do. We're going to read about a woman who made a good decision and about a woman who then followed, two women who actually followed and were not able to do it. And I want to think about this because this is a telling story of different hearts And it's a great understanding that we can put ourselves somewhere in this story and understand what Jesus thinks when it comes to these kinds of hearts. Mark chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. I'm sorry, Mark chapter 14, beginning in verse 1. It says, and it, it, uh, it was now two days before Passover and the feast of the, uh, the festival of the unleavened bread. The leading priests and teachers of religious law were still looking for an opportunity to capture Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the Passover celebration, they agreed, or the people may riot. Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, who had been previously a leper. And he was eating, and a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of... Uh, made from the essence of nard. She broke open the jar and poured the perfume over his head. And some of those at the table were indignant. Why waste such an expensive perfume, they asked. It could have been sold for a year's wage and the money given to the poor. So they scolded her harshly. But Jesus replied, leave her alone. Why criticize her for doing such a good Uh, thing to me. You will always have the poor among you, and you can help them whenever you want to, but you will not always have me. She's done this. She's done what she could do, and she has anointed my body for burial ahead of time. I tell you the truth that wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deeds will be remembered and discussed or Memorialized. I want to think about the timing of this. 
Because Jesus does deal with the issue of timing in this. It was Napoleon Bonaparte who said that he had beat the Austrians because they did not understand the value of five minutes. The value of time, she understood life is a lot about timing. One man, uh, one poster I saw, I don't know how accurate it is, but it said that 88% of life is timing. Now, I don't know how much that's accurate, but I do know that timing has a lot to do in life. When we do things, how we do things at that moment, very important. Psalms 90, verse 12, Moses' psalm. Teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. The King James says to number our days. Life is quick. Life happens and then it's over. And I, you know, again, just looking through paperwork today, yesterday and, and different things of you know, receipts of, of banks that are no longer in existence and all sort how the brevity of life happens so fast. Ephesians, Paul, the apostle writes and says, so be careful on how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. So the critical mark that Paul brings out is that, you know what, we have to make the most. We have to take a hold of opportunities. First Chronicles tells us of the children of Ishakar, the tribe of Ishakar. That there were 200 leaders in the tribe. This is First Chronicles 12.32. All these men understood the signs of the times and knew the best course for Israel to take. In life, we have to deal with the fact that there are certain opportunities that come and they go. I titled this sermon, Mary Has a Box and She's Not Afraid to Use It. The thought on the understanding of what's behind that is that there's opportunities that present themselves to us that won't be here later. The Bible tells us this is two days before the Passover. We know that Jesus would actually be crucified the next day. The day before the Passover. We read in Mark chapter 16 verse 1 that on Saturday evening when the Sabbath had ended, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Jesus and Salome went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint the body of Jesus. But when they got there, he was not there. Risen from the dead. They had missed that opportunity. Our text tells us that some of them get indignant, and we're going to look at that, and get upset. And, and he said, Jesus says, you'll have the poor among you, but you will not always have me among you. Bringing out that there's 
timing involved. Life is full of timing. There's some people, they rush things. There's some people, they miss things because they're dragging their feet. But in life, God wants us to be in the right timing. These two ladies who show up to anoint Jesus' body are good ladies. Jesus is going to appear to one of them first. Mary Magdalene is the first person on planet earth that sees the resurrected Savior. But as far as the opportunity to bring an offering, if you will, to Jesus to anoint his body, that was gone. Jesus marks this woman who does this with the alabaster box as a good thing. Jesus weeps over Jerusalem, Luke 19, 41 through 44. As he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep and he said, how I wish today that you of all people would understand the way of peace. But now it's too late. Peace is hidden from your eyes. Before long, your enemies will build rampages against you and uh, your walls and encircle you and close off every side. They will crush you into the ground, you and your children. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in this place because you did not recognize it when it was that God visited you. They missed the opportunity. It came and it went. Very interesting that both Moses and Paul mentions that the issue is wisdom. Wisdom, for a simple definition, is the ability to live successfully. The ability to understand the right thing to do. In life, the, mo- the biggest dilemmas we face in life are usually not the right or wrong dilemmas. Do I do what God told me to do or do I disobey? Do I kill this guy or do I let him live? Do I cheat on my wife or do I stay faithful? Those are not wisdom issues. Those are sin. Those are righteous issues. Those shouldn't be that hard. You know, cheat on your wife, you're going to find out that the last thing she might say to you is, how do I reload this thing? I don't know. Right? They're, those are right. But the issues of what is better, that's the dilemmas of wisdom. What is better? And better often involves timing. And that's what Psalms 90 and Ephesians 5 tell us. That to know, to understand, to be wise, to know how to live successfully or with an edge to your life that makes the difference. Think about the gift here. Our text tells us that this is a gift. If you have a King James, New King James Version, uh, maybe an American Standard Version, you'll see that it could have been sold for 300 denarii. According to Matthew chapter 20, a day's laborer's wage was one denarii. So given 
a year's worth of wages for 300 denarii. This would have been a year's salary. Today, on the average, in Monroe County, the average household income, I know some of you make more, some of you make less, but it's about $50,000. That's the average household income of Monroe County. So that's, this would be a significant gift. But one thing that's very interesting about it, it's extremely personal. What God usually deals with us about certain things, and, and it doesn't always have to be money, it could be opportunities, ministry, relationships, heart's desire. The, are you willing to break them over Jesus? As I'm going through the house and looking at all of these things and realizing that there are memories and all, it's too late now. The opportunities are gone now. Life moves on. The gift was between her and Jesus. We're going to see how this affects other people, but the gift was between her and Jesus. She didn't come in. She didn't talk to Peter about this. She didn't discuss this with anyone else, probably not her sister, probably not anyone else. She came in and did this because this was between her and God. How is your relationship with God? If he asked you to do something personal. Or does he have to even ask you? Is there enough love for the Savior the Lord Jesus Christ to cause you to do something that may be out of your comfort zone. I know about you, but writing a check for a year's worth of wages is not in my comfort zone. Is it in yours? I doubt it. Right? This is be uncomfortable. Again, and I'm not saying it's that. But what would you do for Jesus that would be out of your comfort zone? That's what makes this gift so valuable, so dear. That it was outside of the comfort zone. It was done solely for Jesus. Solely for him. You know, it's amazing in the hearts of men and women how political-minded people get. And I'm not talking about Democrats and Republicans or talk radio. I'm talking about how people play rooms and atmospheres in other people. It's amazing. In Lithuania, the joke was, for every two people, there were three parties. Now, there were a lot of parties. I am a big fan of the two-party system. I get it. It's broken. But you know what? I've seen the 16-party system. I've seen the coalition governments. I've lived in Ireland and Lithuania and watched them and from a bit of a interest watched the Netherlands and England and watched those coalitions come and go, fall apart, snap elections, just, you know, chaos. I, I get it. But she's not playing any of that. This is all about between her and Jesus. 
It's just between her and Jesus. Mary has a box. She's not afraid to use it. It's very interesting that when people do this, other hearts are revealed. Our text tells us that when she did this, in verse 4, some of those at the table were indignant. Why was this such a waste of expensive perfume, they asked. It's amazing how when someone does something for Jesus, how critics pop up everywhere. It's fascinating to me. Well, he's not doing it right. You're indignant? You know, John actually takes time and he mentions specifically Judas Iscariot. John chapter 12 is the same story. Mary took the 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard and anointed Jesus' feet, wiping it with her hair, and it filled the house with the fragrance. But Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples who would soon betray him, That perfume was worth a year's wage. It should have been sold in the money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor, because he was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he stole some, or he often stole some for himself. Fascinating. Judas paints a picture on it. Why in this soul? It's interesting, he'll sell out Jesus for 30 pieces of silver very shortly. In fact, the next chapter. He's indignant over someone's 300 denarii waste, but he's going to sell out Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. It was his greed that was revealed by Mary's generosity. It was his covert deception that was revealed by her act of worship, open act of worship. It was his pride that was revealed through her humility. He tries to play coolly detached. Oh, for the poor. When Mary understood the measure of devotion to Jesus she should have. See, when someone else does something for God, what is your reaction? Because it's a revelation of your heart. The measure of someone else making a sacrifice. Because this was about higher purposes. This was about the anointing of Jesus' death. And we're going to get to that because it seems like she got it and he did, and the rest of the disciples didn't get it. And it was about to happen. One illustration said that that fragrance smells so 
pungent. That that aroma probably was on Jesus that he could smell it throughout the crucifixion. That somewhere in the crucifixion, he could still smell Mary's sacrifice. Jesus says you'll always have the poor among you. There's always good things we could do. But Mary saw the higher purpose. I mentioned recently, there's a million causes the churches can get into. Right? There's, we, you know, there's the vape shops, there's abortion, there's pornography, there's all sorts of things we could protest against. There's things we could do that are good. We could, and I've seen groups get into all of those in our churches. There's good things. There's orphanages. There's hospitals we could build in India and places like that. There's clothes drives we could do to try to help and, 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 and poorer nations. I've preached in nations where the people will wear the same thing to church six days in a row. Because that's all they have. That's their nicest clothes and that's, that's what they'll wear. Six days in a row. In a row. Those are all good purposes. They all have validity. But she saw the higher purpose. And Jesus marks that. Says that you she got it. Says because she gets it. There will be a a memorial, a reminder. Everywhere this story, the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ is preached, this story will be mentioned in her honor. Just as we're doing tonight. Memorials are set up. When we were in Lithuania, they had just gotten their independence from the Soviet Union in 1991, we arrived in 2000, and they had renamed the streets. They had heroes. We had a church on Jonas Basanovich's Gatve. Jonas John Basanovich's Street. A former hero of Lithuania. Gadaminas Prospectus or Gadaminas Avenue was the main. He was the only anointed king of Lithuania in their history. The main street of the main business street where at one end was the parliament building and at the other end was the cathedral. These were marked as memorials to that nation and people who made the difference. We have a nation that we have our memorials. If you go to Washington, D.C., there are war memorials that are powerful and moving. There's the forgotten war memorial of the Korean War. There's the wall. It's hard to go to the wall, the Vietnam War, where all the names of all the casualties are 
inscribed and not be moved. We have monuments to former presidents. The Lincoln Memorial, the Washington Monument, the Jefferson. There are other memorials to other people that are maybe less known. Other, Of course, all the wars are mentioned and such. And all of those are there. There are certain places where there'll be local people from that city place that are named. Our airport is the Fredless, Fred, Frederick Douglass Airport. A memorial to that man. Jesus says what she did. That, that's worthy of a memorial. Now, I don't know if we get to heaven and somewhere on one of the streets of gold will be a statue of her breaking the alabaster. I don't know. Or maybe a broken alabaster box. I don't know. And I, you know, I don't know if there will be statues in heaven. I don't know. You know. I said, but there'll be a memorial for her. Memorials often don't come cheap. The signers of the Declaration of Independence, five of the signers were captured by the British, tortured and killed. Nine of them died in the Revolutionary War, either in battle or by other means. Two of them had their sons killed in war. Two others had their sons captured in war. And 56 of them had their houses pillaged and most of them burned by the British. But we honor those men. We're going to come up on the 250th anniversary of the signing of that document and the history of our nation in just a couple of years. When my wife and I were in Ireland, we would go to rallies and conferences in England, and one of the days we went to the National Museum in London, and they were showing the Magna Carta, which is uh, the document that greatly inspired our Constitution. They actually had one of our, the original Constitution shipped over there in England. Think about this. Just grasp this for just 10 minutes. England was proudly displaying that. It's fascinating. Because there's something to that document that has set our nation apart from every other nation on the earth. But they didn't come at a cheap price. I don't know how much she understood about Jesus going to the cross very shortly. We do grasp very quickly that the other disciple, the disciples had no clue. Not one of them says, well, gentlemen, he's about to die for our sins and the sins of the entire world. Why don't we just honor this woman in what she's done? Not one of them. Not one of them got it. Three days later, it was going to be too late. Mary and Mary Magdalene show up. It's too late. Jesus says, this is a good work. Why don't you just grasp that for just a minute? Jesus said, others said it's a waste. 
Jesus said it's a good work. I mean, at the end of the day, he's our judge. Revelation 22, 12, look, I am coming to bring my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. He's the ultimate judge. And it's so fascinating to me that so many people were, including the 12 apostles, and Jesus says this was good. So the question then that we can take from this is, where do you fit in the story? Are you indignant? Well, I wouldn't have done it that way. Maybe you wouldn't have. Maybe you would have been like Peter. Or God forbid Judas. Jesus says, verse 8, what she has done... She could have anointed my body. Uh, uh, she, uh, she has done what she could do. She has anointed my body ahead for burial. Uh, 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 anointed my body for burial ahead of time. She did what she could do. It's not often what people do. It's are we asking the right question. Vedran Simonovok. I'm butchering that name, but bear with me. Vedran was a lead cellist in the Sarajevo Orchestra. In the 1990s, a civil war broke out in the former Yugoslavia as five nations began to fight for independence. And it became very, very bloody. Sarajevo became a major war zone. He actually dressed up one time in his tuxedo, went down to the orchestra and played. But he's most famous for sitting in a bomb crater. Dress up in his tux. Go sit in a bomb crater. The crater was outside a bakery. Twenty-two people were killed by a mortar attack on that bakery in 1992. So he went and played for 22 days. The streets were full of snipers and bombings. I actually heard a report of of a BBC journalist who quit, was interviewing a sniper... Two young women were walking down the street. He said to the reporter, which one of them should live? The reporter said, don't put that on me. So the man shot him both. After that, he quit. That's how brutal this war was. Just want you to grasp that. He played for 22 days for the 22 people killed in line waiting for bread. He then began to challenged the ugliness of war with his only weapon, his cello. He became known as the cellist of Sarajevo. He would play in graveyards at funerals in rubbles of buildings where snipers had shot people. 
completely vulnerable, but never was shot, never was bombed. His music became an oasis in the middle of the horror. He caught journalists' attention. And a journalist asked him, I actually think the obvious question, are you crazy for playing in a war zone? And his response would have been like Mary's response to the disciples. Why do you not ask if they are crazy for bombing Sarajevo? He turned it on the reporter. That's what Mary did to the disciples. She turned the question on them. Why wasn't this so? Because this was between me and my Savior. This was between me and Jesus. There were many who thought what Mary did was crazy. But yet Jesus says, this was brilliant. This is a memorial. This will last for all of eternity as a reminder. We don't always get it right. But when we sacrifice or give to God in whatever way God marks it down, notes it, and will help us. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. Mary has a box, and she's not afraid to use it. Maybe you're here this evening and you're not right with God. Maybe you're looking at, maybe you need to question your life and say, am I looking at things the right way? I would think that was a waste. People will say, oh, you give to that church, it's a waste. They're looking at it totally wrong. First of all, giving isn't to just the institution. It's to Jesus first. The institution is what he established on the earth. I will build my church. So we look at things the wrong way. That's why we sin, because we're looking at things the wrong way. We go after pleasure. We go after what seems to be profitable for us. But that has a fleeting value. Brings us to places we don't want to go and things we don't want to do because it's addicting, it's driving us down. Tortures our soul. That's the nature of sin. The good news is Jesus Christ died for sin so you can be free. You can be liberated from your sin. Mary understood that. That's why she broke the box. She said, you know what? This is my Savior. He's dying for me. What you need to do is acknowledge his death was for you as well. Receive his forgiveness and his love. And maybe you're here tonight. You're not right with God. You're not born again. Jesus Christ wants to touch and help your heart. Slip up your hand very quickly. Pray for me. I'm not right with God. I'm not saved. I'm not a Christian. I'm backslidden. I became indignant, but I'm, it's Judas. I'm hiding motives. I'm hiding things in my heart.
and I'm really not right with God, I need to get my heart right. Slip up your hand very quickly. Pray for me. Changing the call to Christians. Mary does what's right. Jesus marks it. You know, it's amazing. If we, if you serve God on public opinion, you're going to miss God. If she had taken a survey among the 12 apostles, should I do this? They would have said no. Why don't you wait till later? She would have missed the opportunity. She did what she was supposed to do when she was supposed to do it. And now it's a memorial for her. If you get indignant or if you're always upset because someone else or said this and that, you're missing the point. Absolutely missing the point. This is supposed to be for Jesus. That's what you're suppo- who you're supposed to serve. And it's really about Him. And if you make it about Him, you'll find God. Despite the voices that may oppose you, you'll find the will of God. Let's all stand. These altars are open if you want to come and talk to God. Mary has a box and she's not afraid to use it. I'm forgiven because you were forsaken and I'm accepted you were condemned and I'm alive and well your spirit lives within me because you died and rose again And I'm forgiven Because you were forsaken And I'm accepted And you were condemned And I'm alive and well Your spirit lives within me Because you died and rose again Amazing love, how can it be that you, my King, should die for me? Amazing love, I know it's true. It's my joy to honor you in all I do. forgiven because you were forsaken and I'm accepted and you were condemned and I'm alive and well your spirit is within me because you died in amazing love amazing love King should die for me. Amazing love.